This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. everybody to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 161 and this week I'm pleased to be joined by a returning guest. Hello Gerard. Hey John, uh, glad to be back and ready to talk a lot about wrestling because I think I've taken uh, more notes for this show than any other time I've been on. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's just so much wrestling going on right now and it's one of those things where I feel like we should uh, appreciate it while it lasts because like if you look at the the coronavirus situation in japan it's like who knows how long we're gonna have this much wrestling going on at least in front of crowds you know well new japan seems to be ready to go on a 22 or 28 <laughs> g1 climax <laughs> they're really they're really confident that abe is not gonna shut this shit down again uh maybe he won't i don't know but uh you know i mean i guess what else are they supposed to do right until it's shut down but uh yeah i mean they could have i i i definitely you know they announced like you said it's 19 dates it's very ambitious. It's like they're going to go all the way to Hokkaido and, you know, as far as, uh, you know, Kobe and all. Like, hit a lot of their normal stops. I, I, I think the only place they would normally go for a G1 that they're not going is, like, Fukuoka. I don't think there was a Fukuoka date. I wrote them all down, so I have them. But I don't think they're going as far south as Fukuoka. But, uh, you know, it's, it is an ambitious tour given the, you know, the COVID situation in Japan is not exactly looking great these days. But, uh, you know, I guess they're hoping it'll get back under control without having to do a full shutdown. But, uh, anyway, I guess hopefully we don't talk a lot about coronavirus anyway, because I'm sure people are tired of hearing about that. For now, we have lots of Japanese wrestling. We have a ton of topics to talk about, uh, you know, so we'll get right into it here. We have All Japan with the Champion Carnival announcement. Uh, we have a ton of New Japan shows on, in two countries and NOAA. So, uh, you know, I guess we already did a little bit of banter before we even recorded, so I guess we could even... I mean, what have you been doing lately, Gerard? Anything special? Just watching lots of wrestling like me, I assume? Yeah, pretty much. uh, (laughs) Lots of wrestling, getting back and watching a lot of old wrestling, too, which has been a lot of fun. Um, And discovering... I've I've actually mostly watched stuff that I've already seen before, but uh, I found a few, like, sort of hidden gems in there, too. Yeah, it's like during the five matches Omakase, which you know I'm going to plug here in a second. I, it's mostly stuff I've seen before, but then like people will plug me stuff that I've never seen, like 
you know, Todd Martin on the episode that just went up, uh, you know, did the Super Dragon Necro Butcher match, which I've obviously heard of, but just never got around to watching for whatever reason. So that was uh, that was quite the experience. But, uh, you know, so that's a good little transition then into the uh, into the Patreon plug. So if you're not subscribing, which, you know, is obviously many of you, I'm sure, uh, we have so much stuff going over on the Patreon right now. Uh, it's at patreon.com slash wrestlingomakase. It's only $5 per month. Uh, we just put up a brand new Patreon-exclusive five matches episode with me and Todd Martin from the PW Torch. Uh, you know, we talked about a, like I said, Super Dragon versus Necro Butcher, uh, the Funks against Brody and Hanson from All Japan in 82, Regal versus Fit Finley from WCW in 96, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Katsuyori Shibata from the G1 in 2014, and Kenta Kobashi versus Yoshihiro Takayama from NOAA in 2004. So, you know, a great collection of matches. Really had a lot of fun with Todd on that one. So that's up there right now on the Patreon for you if you subscribe. Um, we're also doing daily tournament audio, so uh, if you're wondering why we're not talking about the King of DDT or the Tokyo Joshi Princess Cup, which are both going on right now, um, you know, there's just so much to talk about that, honestly, it's not even just me trying to earn your $5. I mean, I, I don't know how it would fit all this, all of that onto what's already going to be a packed episode, so I had to move some of it to the Patreon at least. So we're doing daily tournament coverage uh, the first day is already up for um, Saturday, which had the you know the first round of the King of DT and Tokyo Joshi Princess Cup. Uh, we'll be doing it again, you know, later today on Sunday as I'm recording this. Uh, we'll be doing for the second round of King of DT and the uh, first half of the second round for Tokyo Joshi, and then Monday we'll do the quarterfinals for King of DT and the uh, the other half of the second round of Tokyo Joshi. So, you know, we're going to be covering that daily. Uh, we'll, we'll continue on the 15th when uh, Tokyo Joshi continues their tournament with the quarterfinals. So we're going to be covering those tournaments all the way to the end. Um, you get all that coverage on the Patreon. You get the Naito Ishii series that we're doing. We just reached the fourth, the fourth episode of that, which, you know, covered a ton of history stuff too with Naito and Ishii. Um, you know, the entire period between 2014 and their, their third match in 2014 and their fourth match in 2016, uh, the transformation of Naito and the start of LIJ. We talked about all that stuff. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, the entire Okada Tanahashi series that's completed, the Sengoku Lord review I did a few weeks back, Anime Omakase, if you want to hear about anime. Uh, you know, we have four episodes already with more to come. Uh, probably the next one will be on the show I've been telling everybody to watch, uh, Hami for, uh, you know, the, uh, my next life as a villainous. So, which was a big hit from the spring season, uh, this year. So definitely looking forward to recording on that one and putting it up on the, on the Omakase Patreon. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you come check it out. If you haven't already, we've gotten a bunch of new patrons this weekend, actually. So, uh, you know, I hope you'll come join us. Patreon.com slash wrestling Omakase. $5 gets you all that stuff I just talked about. So definitely come check it out. Uh, all As right. a Patreon subscriber, I would like to say that it's very worth your $5 a month. Uh, thank you very much, Gerard. Uh, yeah, I mean, we just hit the uh, a, a threshold that I'm very happy with. So it's like I have two thresholds. In my Like I have numbers that I want, and then I also want to stay ahead of Russell Joy. So 
we're, we're doing <laughs> we're doing good on both counts so far. Uh, but yes, so the champion carnival, the blocks were announced. That's the first topic we're going to cover here today. Um, it's only gonna it's going to be like a reduced tournament, uh, smaller blocks than usual. It's only six shows total, right? Is that right? Yeah, uh, it's six shows, and so I mean, unlike New Japan, All Japan is clearly playing it safe because all of the show there's three of the six shows are in Korokin. And the other, and two of the other shows are in both in Kanagawa Prefecture, one in Kawasaki, and one in Odawara. And the furthest they go, leave Tokyo is to Nagoya, where they actually uh, is one of their better cities outside of the Tokyo area where they draw. But that's it. And so I think that's sort of like a sign of how like cautious they're being. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're, it probably also speaks to the like if like let's say you're New Japan and you book all this stuff and it can't and they have to cancel it all. I mean, yeah. Bushiro can afford that. Uh, right. All Japan probably cannot afford to book a bunch of stuff that gets canceled. So it makes right, a lot and, of sense. and you might not be wanting to go all the way to like Sapporo or Osaka if you can't fill up the building 100 percent either. Right, and kind of for people who don't know, by the way, Kanagawa is very close to Tokyo, so it's like the it's one of the next prefectures over. So, um, but yeah, so the Champion Carnival uh, Block A is Suwama, uh, Jiro Ikemen Kurishio. Uh, Zeus, Jake Lee, and Kuma Arashi. Uh, Kuma, of course, comes from the uh, you know the the end of Wrestle One. So I guess you would call him an outsider. You call Ikeman outsiders. I don't know why people are saying no outsiders. There's outsiders here. I mean, like well, they've, they've been yeah, but they're they, just like basically full time all Japan guys now. Well, has Ikeman been been around that much? I, I haven't noticed uh, since the pandemic started. Yeah. Okay. I haven't. I haven't been really. He's I'm been, way behind. He was all on Japan. almost all of their. Maybe not all of them, but most of their empty arena shows from 2AW Square. Ah, I don't know. Maybe I was only watching the main events or something. Uh, Block B has Kento Miyahara, Shuji Ishikawa, Yoshitatsu, Yuma Aoyagi, and Shotaro Ashino. Um, I think, I have to say, tentatively Block B looks quite a bit better. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. Uh, So any matches in here you're very excited for? I assume Kento versus... Ashino would be towards the top of the list like it is for me. Yeah, I think that's the number one. Um, uh, other ones, uh, honestly, Jake Lee versus Zeus because they don't really tangle that often. Uh, so I'd like to see that because I think that could be pretty fun. Um, but also one thing I'm thinking, and if you sort of look back, uh, back in the mid-2000s, the carnivals were a lot of just like five or six per block and if you go all the way back to like the mid 90s and the g1 climaxes when they were only five or six guys you got a lot more draws so i kind of suspect that's what we're getting in here especially considering you've got to sort of like book certain ways and try to get people through so i'm expecting a couple of draws this time around uh and do you have any early predictions um as of Uh, well frankly the only acceptable finals i mean if you're actually trying to you know push forward some momentum in the company is Jake Lee versus Ashino. That um, seems to be the very popular prediction. I've but, seen. I mean, you can't... I mean, it being all Japan, you can't really rule out they just have Kento go to the finals and win it even. I mean, <laughs> that's not impossible, but honestly, uh, do I... I think Ashino should win and avenge his loss to Suwama, but I think it. if it is Jake Lee versus Ashino in the finals, it's probably Jake winning and then beating Suwama. Uh for the triple crown like the next month 
All right, so there you go. That's uh, and nobody follow. Very few people follow all Japan as close as you do. So I definitely trust your uh, trust your prediction here. I mean, Jake Jake Lee seems like a very likely winner to me as well. Um, if I was gonna say somebody off the board, yeah, probably Ashino. Um, if they really want to go off the board, maybe even Aoyagi. Yeah. 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 That'd be interesting. But I'm like, I'm pre like, I don't know. It just felt like before the pandemic that it was going to be Jake Lee, although they hadn't really done too much with him lately. But one thing I'm pretty sure is that Suwama would still not be the triple crown champion right now if there was no pandemic. Mm. So. So there you go. That's the champion carnival participants. Uh, we'll obviously be covering it here on Omakase. Uh, when it kicks off in sub- September, right? Or is it the end of August? I uh, know it's September. Okay. Um, you know, so we're going to be covering it here. I don't know if it'll be on the uh, Patreon or on the free feed. I have to figure it out. I mean, I kind of figured, um, like, one of the things I wanted to do on the Patreon is, like, the daily tournament coverage for, you know, the G1 and the Champion Carnival, maybe even the N1. I did not assume they would all be going on simultaneously. Yeah. So I have to figure out what the fuck I'm going to do with that. Well, do we know, is the N1 going on Wrestle Universe, or is it just going to be all over the place? Yeah, no, one. I don't channel? I don't think we know yet. So, yeah, the for I, I know there was a tweet by Chris Samsa that, like, really laid out how these tournaments are going to be going on at the same time. Let me see if I can find it, because the dates are kind of crazy. But, yeah, the, the Champion Carnival is only six days, so that, that will help a little bit. But obviously the G1 is 19. Uh, you know, the N1, I don't think we have a full schedule yet, do we? I think we know I that. think we do. It's, okay. it's it's maybe only slightly longer than the Champion Carnival. It's okay. certainly not a super long tour either. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, so let me see the, the actual dates that it overlaps. Okay, so the Champion Carnival looks like it kicks off the 1st on September 12th. The N1 victory starts on the 18th. The G1 Climax starts the next day on the 19th, and they all run concurrently until October 5th when the Champion Carnival ends. Uh, the N1 looks like it ends October 11th, and the G1 goes all the way through October 18th. So, uh, and then I have another one with, like, the whole schedule. I mean, there, are, there actually aren't... It doesn't look like there's any days where all three of them run at the same time, so that's good at least. But uh, there's, I think there's a day where it's, like, Korokin, it's, like, one day is all Japan... And the next day is the N1 and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't look like there's any day where all three no. of them are at the same time. So that's good. Although I'm sure that's also why Sugiera is not in the Champion Carnival now. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that's why. Yeah. So the G there's like a, a bunch of days. Like the G1 and the N1 are both September 18th. Uh, N1 and Champion Carnival are both September 20th. That kind of thing. So uh, the N1 finals on the same day as the G1. Champion Carnival Finals on the same day as the G1 as well. So, you know, it's going to be a busy time, provided all these shows actually happen. So I guess we'll see. Uh, anyway, let's get into the New Japan shows from this past week, and there were a lot of them. Uh, we're going to start out with New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong, the first week of that, uh, the U.S. show on August 7th on Friday. Uh, you know, I I figure, first of all, it's an easier thing to cover than the for Korok is just because it's one show that was only four matches. Uh, we didn't really talk about the uh, Lions Break Collision shows on this podcast because I still have not watched them, honestly. I just never got around to it. Did you see those or no? Yes, I did. I, I liked them. Yeah, that seems to, they seem to get universally uh, positive reviews, so I, I should go back and check them out. It just did, didn't happen. Uh, but these shows caught my eye because, first of all, they're doing like a major tournament here, the New Japan Cup USA. 
with eight participants and a shot at the U.S. title on the line. Uh, it sounds like I think Rocky Romero on Wrestling Observer Live said, you know, until they're able to book John Moxley again to defend the U.S. title, they might actually just defend the U.S. Uh, title number one contendership contract. So it'll almost be like a, uh, I don't know, like a interim champion. Just kind of interesting. There will be a lot of defenses of that contract at this rate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the 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 entire sh- the presentation of the show was very cool. I mean, it starts out with like an opening video. Uh, we get Kevin Kelly and Alex Kozlov, who uh, used to be one half of Forever Hooligans at Rocky Romero. Uh, kind of a kind of an out of nowhere pick to be color commentator. It was interesting. I didn't even really really know he was still around. But uh, you know, he didn't. I wouldn't say he was bad. The two of them were, like, you know, a little boring at times, maybe. And, like, you know, not that I don't like Kevin Kelly or anything, but, like, you're doing Empty Arena. You really need to, like, bring extra energy, I feel like. Yeah. Um, and, well, you're not even there. Well, they are. They were there, I thought. I thought that looked like it was, like, digitally projected. Oh, background. maybe you're That's right. That's what I thought, but I could be wrong. But it just looked, it looked off to me. Well, who knows? You know. Whether they're there or not, they they gotta yell more. That's basically what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like if you notice the Japanese announcers, uh, what 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 do you agree with Nicole? Uh, he, like I noticed that it sounded very dead when he was announcing. Okay, so Nicole <laughs> agrees with me. Uh, yes, she they 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 really gotta yell more and like. Uh, you know, like the Japanese announcers do a really good job covering for not just, I mean, they did a good job covering for Empty Arena, and even now they do a good job of covering for the clap, the clap only crowds, um, you know, with like, you know, by being very energetic and screamy. And the two of them got to get used to that and do more, a little more like high energy here. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know, I have no clue if he's just in this for the, like, just the sort of show or if he's they're considering using him for the long haul but yeah. so we'll have to see uh so the that's the other thing we get is like a really cool montage of like previous new japan cup winners starting with 2015 and kota ibushi right through evil this year which is like a cool way to show that this first ever new japan cup usa is connected not usa new japan cup kenta will get mad if you if you say it in the wrong order <laughs> that was that was kind of funny I mean, his Twitter, his Twitter persona in general is pretty funny. Uh, so we opened up with, speaking of Kenta, Kenta versus Carl Fredericks. Oh, the other thing I want to mention, too, is the, the staging and, like, the, you know, it looks very major league, I thought, for what's probably, like, a converted warehouse. They did, they did a good job, like, with these screens everywhere with the logos and stuff. Looks cooler than the Performance Center. Yeah, I mean, the Performance Center looked fucking stupid. How How is there, like, a, I don't know, <laughs> like, a billion-dollar company, and they can't make the Performance Center look more like anything? Like, it just looks like this fucking empty building. I don't know. But uh, it's a good point. I mean, like, it looks so stupid. Uh, so this is my first time seeing the new-look Carl Fredericks here. Uh, him versus Kenta was the opener of the New Japan Cup USA first round. Uh, I also heard his new entrance music for the first time. It's very interesting. It's like almost like a techno beat or something. But uh, Kenta came out for the to the Bullet Club music for whatever reason. I like to think they just didn't have a copy of his theme song because it's never been released anywhere. So like, maybe or they... they're reminding you that he's still in the Bullet Club. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny. I, I like that this thing is a uh, for New Japan Cup USA. They're in the U.S. and they still have a Japanese ring announcer <laughs> announcing everything in Japanese. It's like that's a good touch way to way to keep it authentic. I mean, I was telling Todd like these shows are like surprisingly popular with Japanese fans. Like they, if you look at the hashtags, they actually tweet about them a lot. 
Well, um, they had Tanahashi and Shibata doing commentary for um, Lions Break in Japanese, yeah. which I thought was really cool. I wonder. So I think that probably gets some eyeballs. I wonder if they did it for this one too. I didn't check. No, I, I didn't either. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, the Japanese fans seem to be into it, and like, there's a almost like a, I don't know, like they they seem very like proud of the fact that they have this New Japan Cup or this New Japan USA thing that's still trying to you know continue on during the pandemic seems to be a source of pride for new japan fans uh but yeah so kenta you know kenta took control of this match early with his elbows and his kicks and just really beat his ass um you know he kept telling carl to go ahead and fire him back and then just puts him down with one elbow real good stuff uh even though carl's not a young lion anymore this was like very close to a young lion versus veteran match for a while but like you know kenta really just destroying him but Carl finally came back with, like, this neck breaker and a charge into the corner. Uh, and then he had a backdrop suplex and an elbow drop. Uh, Kenta took back over really quickly. But Fredericks came back and got, like, this nice half crab. But Kenta escaped. Uh, you know, Kenta came back with a huge lariat that Fredericks took a nice flip bump for. And you don't really associate Kenta with a lariat, but uh, it was a really nice one. And Carl kicks out it too. Uh, Kenta ends up hitting this really cool, like, overhead right-hand slap. Uh, just a brutal counter, and then a big strike combo, and then finish him clean as a, clean as a sheet with the go to sleep for the pin. Uh, you know, close to a squash for Kenta, not quite because Carl did get a little bit of offense, but uh, definitely one sided here. Uh, I thought this was really good. I went three and a half on it. Definitely a good opener. Um, yeah, it was okay, uh, like a squash, like you said. Uh, I thought actually, given it was a little weird, and I didn't expect that, given how great Carl looked on those line break shows. So I was kind of surprised at how this, I thought kind of would win, but I was um, sort of surprised how it played out. And so I think that sort of slightly uh, subtracted from my enjoyment of this match, but it's still like as a squash match. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe they're just trying to show that Carl isn't quite ready to be like a top, top guy yet, but uh, you know, yeah, his ego's getting the better of him. Yeah. But I mean, Kenta, I think is clearly going to be set to be the, I mean, I, I think he's going to win, probably. Yeah. I mean, he seems like probably it's up to be the ace of the brand. I mean, he's, you know, he's by far the biggest star. So, uh, the second match, for also, uh, all these matches, obviously, are first round matches. Jeff Cobb and Tonga Loa. Uh, I saw people praising this match. I don't really get it. It wasn't very good. There was It was just very dull to me. A lot of slow brawling. Uh, a rest hold from Loa right after the five-minute mark when nothing much had happened. Um... You know, Cobb finally hits, like, a big power slam that looked nice. But then Tongaloa just completely overshoots Cobb on a sunset flip, which ended up looking pretty stupid. Uh, his drop kick looked okay, but, uh, you know, he went for ape shit, and then Cobb came back with a nice-looking snap German and then tore the islands for the pin. Uh, you know, I just thought this match was nothing until the very end. And even then, you know, there was a botch. So, I don't know, I want, like, one and a half. I just didn't think it was good. I don't know. I liked it. I guess I had like uh, low expectations going in. You're like I would. I did subtract marks. It's sort of like when when Loa went into like control mode and stuff. Then I have like right like you know in my uh, notes. But you know I thought the ending was fine and you know it's perfectly passable like TV match. Uh, I should mention by the way the opener was nine fifty nine and the second match was eight forty five. I usually give out the uh, the match times. And I just totally forgot. Uh, match three, David Finley defeating Chase Owens in the New Japan Cup first round in 946 with the Prima Nocta. Um, you know, I, did, I didn't really think much of this one either. 
Uh, you know, Chase started out with a lot of cheating, as you probably expect. He controlled a lot of this match, and which wasn't very exciting because he doesn't exactly have fantastic offense. Uh, Finley came back with a pair of European uppercuts, one for the middle rope, which got a two count, and uh, then he finally hit the prima nocta, which is that, like the acid drop, I guess, for the pen. Uh, very nothing match. I would go like two and a quarter. I don't know, below average. Uh, talk about rest holds. If you're going to single out Tongaloa, you got to <laughs> also mention uh, Chase Owens' liberal use of them early on in this match. But the last couple of minutes were fine, but it was a snore fest before, yeah. really. Uh, match number four, the main event, Tamatanga beating Brody King at 714 with the gun stun. I'm a little surprised it was that short. This was like my big surprise of the show. Uh, I thought this was pretty damn good. Uh, you know, Brody was this big house of fire early and just like sent clean shaven Tama, uh, you know, like straight up in the air and then down for like crushing him with a huge senton. Uh, you know, Tama got some offense after getting dominated early. But when he tried his stinger splash, Brody just, like, catches him in midair and just overhead belly-to-belly suplexes him right in the turnbuckle, which looked brutal. Uh, he followed up with a big clothesline and then ran him into the other corner, hit a huge standing lariat for a two-count. Uh, Tamba came back but, get, but got dropped uh, right on his head by Brody with a German suplex and then a huge lariat, but Tama kicked out at two. And this is just... I just wrote here that it's pretty damn good. I mean, I, I like this a lot. He came back with the Tongan twist... And then hit the gun stun and covered. Uh, he got the pin. I mean, I, I honestly would have liked to see them go a few more minutes. I thought it was, uh, you know, my big surprise of the night. I went three and a half stars on it. Uh, also my match of the night. Uh, I think, you know, that was my initial reaction. But I think one of the problems with Tama Tonga singles matches is that if they start to go too long, <laughs> then he runs out of things to do. So this was the shortest match of four, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I think that sort of played a role in, like, how much I really like that because, I mean, well, how many more moves did uh, Tama Tonga uh, have uh, that he could have done if this match had gone on any, on any longer, honestly? But, I mean, it was still great for what it was, and Brody King looked great. Yeah, so definitely a good main event here. Um, you know, a, g- a good way to close the show. I mean, overall, I mean, it was a fun show, only an hour long. Yeah. Uh, you know, two, two matches I didn't love, but two that I thought were pretty damn good. And I definitely am going to keep watching the tournament. So next week, it's Jeff Cobb versus Kenta and David Finley versus Tamatanga in the semifinals. Plus, quote, a pair of great tag team matches. I don't think... Do we know what those are yet? Let me say. Uh, I don't think so. Okay, I'm just, I'm just going to double check real fast and check. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's definitely an easy watch. No, we do not know what those are yet. You're right. But yeah, uh, that'll be next week, and we'll definitely cover it. We'll continue covering it here on Wrestling Omakase. So, let's move over to Japan now for NJPW, the Summer Struggle Tour, rolling on with the Never Openweight Six-Man Title Tournament. Uh, it was four straight days of Corican. Uh You have the two first-round matches on Thursday and Friday, the semifinals on Saturday, and the final on, on Sunday. Uh, we'll go in order, obviously. I'm going to start with the main events for these and work my way down, since... Uh, you know, the main events were a lot more important than these, you know, undercard matches that really weren't much of anything. So that begins then on Thursday at Corican Hall, which had the first two first round matches. Uh, the main event was Shingo Takagi, Sonata, and Bushi beating the Suzuki Goon team of Min- Minoru Suzuki, El Desperado, and Doki. Uh, Sonata using the skull end on Doki in 1337 
to advance in the tournament. Uh, of course, LIJ were the champions before they vacated the titles. It was Shingo, Bushi, and Evil. So I think people kind of thought they would at least get past the first round, which makes sense. Um, Suzuki-Goon jumped LIJ right at the bell, and Suzuki ran at, right at Shingo, which, you know, was kind of interesting given all the speculation that he might be Shingo's next Never Challenger, and that turned out to be the case. Uh, you know, as he'd make more... Uh, you know, he'd say that pretty much at the end of the match. Uh, there was a big Shingo-Suzuki exchange that was really fun with both guys really trading a lot of blows and Suzuki countering Shingo's attempts at power moves with all these different sleepers before Shingo finally hits a front suplex to end it. Um, and they had like, another great sequence towards the end of it with uh, Suzuki really going after Shingo hard with elbows. We get like this big running sequence with Suzuki going for the sleeper and Shingo eventually getting the pumping bomber on him. Uh, Bushi hits a run to the floor on Despi. Sonata gets the skull end on Doki, but he almost rolls him up for the pen. It was a great little near fall. Uh, and then he gets another really even better near fall on a crucifix cradle. It looked even better. And then finally Sonata put him away after a really fun little exchange between two guys who, uh, you know, Sonata and Doki, not the most beloved members of the roster, but uh, I thought they had a great little exchange there. I actually liked them both, so I don't know. I'm, I disagree with the rep, I guess. But yeah, this match was a blast, I thought, especially the Shingo... Uh, Suzuki exchanges, which really bodes well for a future Never Title match. I went three and three quarters. Really good little main event here. What'd you think? I went uh, three and a half. Uh, the first, it's funny, the first thing I've written in my notes says Shingo versus Suzuki. Um, that was awesome. And this was a really good match. And I think uh, my match of the night, actually, on this show. So afterwards, Suzuki goes after the Never Singles belt and makes it even more obvious, pointing at it. So there we go. Uh, that could be that it, it obviously will be the never title match for Jingu. Uh, probably maybe some kind of blast match they're talking about. So we'll see. Are you excited for maybe a blast match or Jingu? Uh, yeah, I think so. Especially against those two. Um, they will sell it well. I don't think you could just throw any two even decent or good members of the new Japan roster into a blast match and it would work, but for these guys, it would. Yeah. Uh, the semi-main event was the other never-open-weight six-man title tournament first-round match on this show. Uh, unfortunately, this one was nowhere near as good as the other one. Uh, Kazuchiko Okada, Toriano, and Sho defeating Yuji Takahashi, Gato, and Jado in 12.03. Sho submitting Jado with what they're calling a double wrist lock. Is, is that just a Kimura? Looks like a Kimura to me when he does it. I don't yeah, know. I, don't, I don't know. Is that what they have on the New Japan Yeah, site? they have a double oh, okay. wrist lock. Well, whatever. Uh, first of all, I have to say, Jado did walk out like positively briskly compared to some of his recent <laughs> yeah. run-ins. I was like, did he did he like get a get a massage or something? I don't understand. Maybe he's got some stem cells in those knees or something. Uh, so Okada and Yujiro started, and Okada gave him a clean break, but then had to briefly sell for Gato and Jado attacking him from behind, which is kind of funny, just watching him sell for those two. But then he quickly took out all three of them, of course. Uh, the Okada Yujiro exchange of father was just as boring as they've all been throughout this terrible feud. Uh, zero people clapping when Yujiro takes briefly took down Okada because unlike like every other heel in the company, like zero people are Yujiro fans it is pretty funny. Uh, we take we get like a long comedy exchange with uh, Yano and Gato, and your enjoyment of that will probably vary. Um, I honestly think no one in New Japan loses more from the clapping crowds than Yano. 
Like his comedy just feels yeah. way more flat without anyone to laugh or cheer. And I, I usually like him, but like I don't know, just something he, he really loses a lot in these crowds. Um, the stuff with him and Gato's beard was kind of funny, I guess. But the turnbuckle stuff, you know, kind of played out at this point. Uh, I mean, Jado, I honestly, just like I say, he moved better in this match than he's looked in months. I'm not sure what's up with that, but he wasn't good, but definitely an improvement from how he looked, you know, going back to the New Japan Cup. Uh, but show speared him and put him in the Kimura to thankfully put this match out of its misery. Uh, it wasn't as bad as it could have been, I guess, but it wasn't good either. I would go two stars flat on it. Yeah, this was probably also the worst match of the tournament. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I get it. I, it's not like I'm offended. This is horrible. Fuck New <laughs> Japan or anything like yeah. that. Uh, although I would say you could have shaved two, three minutes off of this. Come on. Yeah, for sure. It's only a first round match. It can go like nine minutes. Uh, match number four is Taichi, Zack Sabre Jr. and Yoshinobu Kanemaru uh, from Suzuki-Goon defeating Tanahashi, Ibushi, and Yuya Uemura. Uh, Kanemaru submitting or pinning Uemura with the deep impact of 927. A preview for the following night's tournament match because we just had uh, Uemura in there instead of Wato. But, um, you know, this was pretty fun. Uh, Uemura got to run wild early and he fought off all three Suzuki Goon members by himself. But then when Tanahashi asked to be tagged in, he immediately gets cut off by Taichi and Zack in the corner and just taken apart with Zack, like, especially going after his knee. So it continues the storyline that he's a weak link, right, you know, at the moment. Uh, Uriamura, like, came in to save Tanahashi and finally tagged in Ibushi, who cleaned house on uh, Taichi and Zack. Uh, Uriamura got another hot tag from Ibushi and just looked awesome in this match, I thought. Uh, Tanahashi ends up alone against all three members of Suzuki-Goon and, like, briefly holds his own before they go after his knee again to stop him. Um, there's actually a little a tiny botch here where Zack, like, went, at, went to kick his knee and he didn't notice it at first, which was kind of funny. But yeah, Kanemaru eventually hits Deep Impact and Uemura for the win. Fun six fans, some really energetic stuff out of Uemura and Ibushi. I went three and a quarter. Uh, but the the big news, obviously, was the continuation of the Tanahashi and Koda storyline, where like they all were like stepping on Tanahashi after the match, and Koda was in no rush to go save him. He just looked extremely frustrated on the floor. Uh, he finally rolls in like very slowly and then also gets attacked by ZSJ and Taichi, and they held Tana up and told Koda to go ahead and hit the Kamigoi on him, which is pretty funny, and he actually looked like he was thinking about it, but they finally attacked him before he made any decision to either attack or save Tana and toss him out of the ring. So I, I really enjoyed this storyline, and I enjoyed this match. Uh, I went three and a half here. I love this. I thought Yumura was awesome. In fact, he's been the highlight of all four shows for me, actually. Uh, him and uh, Gabriel Kidd just are really standing out right now. And, uh, yeah, uh, the story was great. Just a perfect little, like, quick nine-minute, six-man that managed to tell a great story. So, I mean, that's pro wrestling at its most simple but best, I think. Uh, match number three, another little preview for the following day. I was Goto, Ishii, and Yoshihashi beating Makabe, Honma, and Kojima. Just had uh, Kojima in there instead of Taguchi, I believe. Uh, and Goto pinned Maccabi in 9-12 with the Goto Nishiki, that uh, wacky cradle of his. So, this was, uh, you know, it was pretty fun. You know, it was, I'd say like three stars. Not not a ton to say about it, but, uh, you know, it was interesting that Maccabi took the pin when Homer was right there. Uh, it's not like either guy is really doing anything right now, but uh, maybe they're going to build up to something with Goto and Maccabi. 
But yeah, there was some good action here, especially with Ishii and Kojima. Yeah, uh, another fun match. Um, I have in my notes, does Goto pinning Makabe mean anything? But uh, as of right now, I don't think that means anything. I don't know. Just mix it up, I guess. I don't know. But otherwise, yeah, it was a fun little thing. And um, I had wished uh, maybe uh, Kojima um, also looked awesome here sort of and sort of set the tone for how things would turn out for him for the, over the next couple of nights. Match two was Master Wato and his apparent mentor, Hiroyoshi Tenzan, defeating Ryusuke Taguchi and Yota Suji. 9.54, Wato pinning Suji with the RPP. Uh, basic little tag match here, but Wato and Suji had some decent exchanges. I went two and three quarters on this one. Uh, I haven't... Let's see what I have written here. Okay, I thought Suji looked like the best out of all four guys here. He had a great uh, weekend but... in general. Yeah, he also, all the young lions did, I should say. I forgot about Suji. But uh, I also thought Wado didn't do much, although the ending was fine with him. It was decent. But otherwise, he was sort of regrettable in this. Uh, Yuji Nagata in the opener beat Gabriel Kidd in 8 12 with the Nagata Lock 2. Uh, this was a really fun opener, I thought. Like, Nagata really took it to Kidd. Kidd looked great. Um, this was really about as good as one of those young lion versus veteran matches could be. I went three and a half. Yeah, I also went three and a half, and, like, Kid was super aggressive early on. Doesn't he, like, run right up to... He ran right up to Nagata with the bell and just, like, clocked him, right? I yeah. Think. I mean, and he's been so, super aggressive against everybody, so... It's yeah. Been, it's been so fun the, to Yeah, see. I went three and a half. It was awesome. Great build. It actually... It felt like it was longer than eight minutes, but I don't mean that in a bad way. Yeah. Like, they just packed in a lot of stuff in that eight minutes, and it was awesome. So, overall, a very good start to the weekend, I thought. Yeah. Uh, the second show was on Friday the 7th with the other half of the Never Open Weight six-man title tournament first round. Uh, the main event was Tanahashi, Ibushi, and Master Wato beating the uh, Suzuki-Goon team of Taichi, Zack Sabre Jr., and Kanemaru. Tanahashi actually getting the pin on Taichi in 1653. Uh, they called it a double-leg Nelson. I think it was like a, I don't know, like almost like a sunset flip it looked like to me. but uh, Or not a sunset flip. But like a like a front cradle or something. I don't know. It was a it was a roll up. Everybody can never keep track of the roll up names. Uh, but yeah, this was it started out with Taichi and Kanemaru uh, immediately teaming up to put old man Tanahashi down yet again, uh, and Taichi gave him like an enziguri and Tanahashi just collapsed. I mean, he's selling it all throughout this entire angle where you know it can't be an easy angle for you. We have to be to- you're basically told uh, you know go out there and look like look like you're fucking dying. Or look like you look like you look like shit is a you know it it can't be an easy thing to play but he's doing a really good job. Uh, Zach then tagged in and continued like punishing Tanahashi's leg as he's been doing for weeks now. Uh, Ibushi on the apron like seemed to refuse to come in to help him, which uh, you know continued that kind of storyline there. Uh, Tanahashi finally went for the tag, only to get dropped by Taichi's dangerous backdrop, so he couldn't quite get it. Uh, they just keep playing with him and. They seem to invite Ibushi in the ring to hit Kamigoe on him again, just like they did at the end of the match on the previous day. But Ibushi pushes him away, and then he starts lifting him up like he's going to do it anyway. But then he turns and nails Taiji and Zack instead. And then he screams for Tanahashi to make the tag, which he finally does. And Ibushi runs wild on both guys. Uh, after that, we got like a Wato Kanemaru exchange, I would say was just okay. Uh, and then Tanahashi finally tags back in. He cleans house on Kanemaru and hits a double cross body to both dangerous techers standing on the apron. 
he calls in Ibushi, and the two of them finally do some double-team moves on Kanemaru. Uh, Wato hits this big spinning dive to the floor. It looked pretty good. And then Tana goes for the high-fly flow on Kanemaru, but uh, the heel master gets his knees up. He tags out the Taichi. It's an axe bomber on Tana for two, and then a last ride power bomb. But Ibushi and Wato dive in to save him just as we hit the 15-minute mark. Uh, Kota tries to fight off both dangerous techers by himself, but it doesn't go too well for him. Uh, and then Taichi and Zack just start, like, brutalizing Tanahashi again, just like they did at Dominion with uh, Zack giving him the standing dragon screw with Taichi holding him up. So you think, like, they're going to, you know, beat him again. But then Taichi gives him a super kick. They pick Tanashi up and go for the Zack-Mephisto combo. Just like, they have such great double-team names. Uh, but yeah, it's just a black Mephisto with Zack doing a super kick. But Ibushi runs in to save Ibushi, to save Tanahashi. Hits a high kick on Taichi to the face. And then Tanahashi rolls through into that cradle and gets the pin. Uh, it's a really cool finish, I thought. Because, like, you know, Tanahashi gets the pinfall which would make he and Ibushi in line for a tag title rematch now. But, like, it still feels kind of like a fluke and, like, that Ibushi carried Tana, so they're not abandoning that Tanahashi's a weakling storyline either. I mean, backstage he tells Ibushi, like, you have to be God now. Just very... I mean, the entire thing, you know, people are like, well, is Ibushi going to turn heel? Maybe the entire point of the thing was just to make, you know, Kota Ibushi... Make it clear that Ibushi's at a higher level than Tanahashi now, and he's, you know, going to be the... The, the top baby face for Hantai. But yeah, Z- Zach went after Tanashi to rage at the, after the match, so uh, the tag title match definitely looks like it's on for Jingu. Uh, it was a good main event. I actually liked the previous day slightly better, but this was a lot of fun and continued a really interesting storyline. I would go three and a half. I think I liked this one better than the day's previous main event. I thought Tanahashi actually was awesome here, just getting beat up. Uh, I think this is where the the no yelling does hurt because you you know that people would be screaming like Tanahashi Tanahashi as he's getting his like trying to they're trying to rip his legs out of their sockets and everything. Uh, although I would say, given how banged up Tanahashi's knees are looking, he's got to stop doing the high five flow. He like did it like almost every show, yeah. or at least attempted to. Yeah, he, back, buddy. Yeah, he's really got to stop doing it. I agree. Uh, the semi-main was the other first-round match on this on this show. Uh, Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, and Yoshihashi defeating Makabe, Honma, and Taguchi at 11.53. Yoshihashi submits Honma with the butterfly lock to advance the semifinals. Uh, Makabe and Honma, you know, double-teamed their old uh, GBH deserter Ishii early on, and then they attempt to do the same thing to Yoshihashi. But uh, Goto, Goto tried to run in, but Taguchi came in to make a three-on-two and tacked them with, with his butt, as usual. Uh, we then get the double Kokeshi from Taguchi and Hanma, including like this really wacky wobbling from the Gooch uh, before, he, before he went down on him, which is kind of funny. Uh, Goto and Yoshihashi used a double reverse GTR on Hanma to set up Yoshihashi putting him in that stupid butterfly lock, and that got the ta- gets the tap out. Uh, this was fine, maybe maybe a little disappointing. I don't know. I went like three stars. Yeah, same. It was it was fine. It was like a perfectly serviceable, like standard insert ingredients, and then you'll have your New Japan six man tag type thing, right? Yeah. Very basic, but it's it's like technically a pretty fine match. Uh, match four. It was interesting that Night on Evil had like half these shows off. They only worked Friday and Sunday, which I know they try to give Naito days off and stuff because you know. 
He's about to die. <laughs> He's about to die. Uh, the LIJ team of Naito, Shingo Takagi, Sonata, and Bushi defeated the Bullet Club, Evil, Dick Togo, Taiji Ishimori, and Gato. Uh, Sonata submitting Gato in 1326 with the skull end. Uh, Naito pointed out afterwards that this was the first loss for an Evil team since he joined Bullet Club, so they stopped his momentum, as he said. Uh, but yeah... This is uh, LIJ of all people. I really get annoyed sometimes when they, they they get these pre-match attacks for the bell. It's like, you guys used to do this to everybody. You should and still do it sometimes. You should be prepared for somebody to attack you before the bell. Uh, also, was Bushi wearing an like an Ava Unit 1 tribute mask, mask during this? The color's like perfect. I was like, what the fuck is this mask? You just like marathon Evangelion? I don't know if you noticed that. But it was like purple and like purple and green. I'm like, what What the fuck else is purple and green? Anyway. Uh, we get like a heat segment on Bushi for a while before he makes his own comeback on both Gato and Dick Togo. And then finally tags in Naito. Uh, Evil, you know, tags on the other side with the big showdown. Naito just beats the crap out of Evil. Great aggression here for all the... Uh, people who say it doesn't show aggression or anger or whatever. He shoves the ref down when he tries to stop him from stopping in the corner. Uh, they end up in a big forearm exchange, which Naito wins, but Evil grabs his hair to stop him from hitting Gloria. Uh, Naito comes back on the enzigiri, but Evil rams him backward into the exposed corner when he tries for Gloria again, and finally tags out to Ishimori. Uh, we get the, you know, the kind of standard everybody runs in and hits their move sequence. Uh, Naito and Evil are the standouts here. Naito tries this huge flying form that we don't really see him even attempt that often anymore. I thought it was interesting that he did it uh, in an eight-man tag here at Corican. Uh Evil sidesteps it, uh, just like I've seen Ishii do repeatedly in the uh, Naito Ishii series over on the Patreon. But uh, he drops him on his head with a German suplex. Again, kind of a sick bump to take here in a random eight-man tag. But Naito gets right back up and no-sells it. It's a huge swinging DET off the ropes. Look pretty cool. Uh, Gato and Jado try to cheat their way to victory. Um, you know, they try to interfere on Sonata. That doesn't go well for them, though. And then Sonata sets Gato up on the top rope and uh, basically, like, kicks him away. Or kicks the rope into him. It sends his brass knuckles flying. And then he submits him with the skull end. Uh, afterwards, Naito and Evil are, like, grabbing each other's hair on the floor. And Evil saying, a Senayo, Naito. A Senayo, which I thought was kind of funny. But, yeah, I'm definitely into that feud. I, don't, I know some people aren't, but, uh, you know, I think it was pretty... This was pretty good. Good action. Good Naito Evil exchanges. They were pretty heated. I went three and a quarter. Um, I, you're right. I thought Evil showed a lot of intensity here. Uh, the only stuff... That, the only thing, though, like, in this match that really stuck out to me was the Evil versus Naito stuff. The rest was sort of just kind of there for me. Mm. I don't know. But, I mean, it was still good, and I agree with you that, like, Evil versus Naito, I think, has... Uh, but, I mean, that's all that really matters, right? The whole point is you're trying to build heat for your main event, and I think they did that here very well. Although I think you probably could have cut off two minutes, especially when things are so storyline-driven in a match like this. Uh, match number three was Okada, Toriyano, and Sho beating Suzuki, Desperado, and Doki. Uh, Sho submitting Doki with the... Here they call it the arm lock cross hole. Well, they, well, the fucking English site, like... Oh, that's a cross arm breaker. Never mind. I thought they came up with another name for the Kimura. Uh, but yes, yeah, Sho submitting Doki in 9-16 with a cross arm breaker. Uh, this was a weird match since the two sides have no real beef, but uh, Okada and Suzuki got all up in each other's faces, presumably just for old time's sake. Uh, it was nice to see Okada get to wrestle somebody other than Yujiro or Gato for a change. 
Sho and Doki had a nice little exchange at the end, and Sho tapped out Doki with the cross arm breaker, continuing his recent submission tear. I thought Doki was like a quiet like MVP on these shows. Not like he was one of the best wrestlers in the world or anything, but like he was involved in a lot of finishing sequences because he was losing them all. And I thought he was pretty damn good on all of them. He's he's come a long way since uh, he first showed up in New Japan. But good little match here. I went three and a quarter. I thought this was pretty damn good. Uh, yeah, I thought uh, it was sort of nothing except until the end, the last couple of minutes. And I like the show versus Doki stuff, but didn't really capture my attention other than that. Okay. Uh, but that, that, that probably was my favorite part too. So I guess we're in alignment there. Uh, and that goofball Okada got way too into clapping to show seam at the end. And even show looked like vaguely horrified while he was trying to smile through it. Thought that was funny. Uh, match number two, Tenkoji, a, a rare team up lately since uh, Tenzan's been so busy with his Master Wato, uh, you know, <laughs> Master Wato adventures. They beat Gabriel Kidd and Yota Suji in 8.52. Kojima pinning Suji with a lariat. Uh, you know, this is a very standard tag team match. The Young Lions showed some good fire. I went like two and three quarters. It was pretty good. I really like this. Oh. Um, I went three and a quarter. I thought it was a lot of fun. I love the part when Suji and Kid had uh, Kojima in the corner and they were chopping him. That I love that was awesome. Um and this was when I was like, "Oh damn, uh, Suji's really improved." Uh cuz I wasn't necessarily watching all of the undercards and stuff during the New Japan Cup. Uh so this was a real pleasant surprise, but I'm also like a huge Tenkoji mark, so you know. The, I gotta give it some good marks. The opener was Yuji Nagata beating Yuya Uemura in 806 with the Nagata Lock 2. I was kind of disappointed by this. Uh, it seemed like Nagata was moving a little slower than yesterday's match with Kid. I mean, he's old, I guess. What are you gonna do? There was a great spot where they both fought over like a belly to belly suplex before Uihara finally got his double underhook belly to belly. I really hope he keeps that move even after he comes back from his excursion like five fucking years at this point. Uh, but Nagata, you know, tapped him out with the Nagata Lock 2. You know, like I said, a fun little match, but I just thought after the kid match yesterday was so good, I thought this would be better, and, you know, it was like three stars. Yeah, I went three stars too. I would say the kid match was better. Uh, I agree with you on the belly-to-belly spot, but also there was a also a great spot where uh, Nagata was beating Yumura up, and then it, like, built to, like, that sort of drop kick of hope type thing that was like sort of really fun too but just i probably would say it was just a notch below the kid match maybe the what we think the golf is is different but yeah uh so that's it for this show i i don't i didn't like this one as much as the first show uh it was fine but you know definitely uh you know definitely could have been better yeah but i mean four straight corkins with a roster of that what it being in is what it is you're going to get something but i mean it still wasn't bad yeah uh the third night on august 8th on saturday um we had the semi-finals for the never open weight six-man tournament uh the main event was the team of kuroki goto tomohiro ishii and yoshihashi defeating hirose tanahashi kota ibushi and master wato and Se- uh, yoshihashi pinning master wato in 1711 with the karma uh this was awesome. I mean, this was just a really good match. Uh, you know, this started out with uh, 
you know, we, we started out with the big, the Hunter 18 cleaning house on Chaos. Uh, Watto, like, tagged in and tried to do some karate against Goto, but it didn't go too well for him as Goto kind of shrugged off his, uh, you know, little karate moves and him with a big shoulder block to put him down. Uh, we got, like, a big Ibushi and Ishii exchange for old time's sake. Uh, Ibushi, you know, puts him down and hits a standing moonsault. He drops Ishii right on his head with a German suplex, but Ishii- In the hobby... It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. She no sold it and hit a big power slam before tagging out to Goto. Uh, Goto and Yoshihashi ended up double teaming Tanahashi, who once again seemed to be the weak link of his team. Uh, Goto hit a verse GTR on Tana and went for the uh, front version, but Tana came back with a kind of weak looking twist and shout, but then his second one looked a lot better. Uh, hit a big slap to the face and tried for Sling Blade, but Goto catches him, you know, just like holding onto his arms. And then Ibushi, you know, say, or, or catches him and like lifts him up under his arms. I mean, like was going for Usigoroshi. Uh, Ibushi saved him with a high kick to Goto into the crucifix pin attempt. It was a great little uh, flash pin attempt there. They almost got the job done, but Ishii made the save. Uh, 
Tanashi and Kota recovered, hit a double team Golden Blade, but Goto rolls out of the way of the high fly flow, which, like you said, he attempted on every fucking show. Uh, Yoshihashi and Wato tagged in, and we got the big showdown of immortals here. Yoshihashi and Master Wato. Uh, Yoshi took control of this kind of dumb-looking neckbreaker thing. Uh, Ibushi tried to come in, but Ishii took him out with a German suplex from behind. He and Yoshihashi double-teamed Wato, and finally this Titan met his match here at the hands of Ishii and Yoshihashi. Uh, Yoshihashi hit a big running setup powerbomb. That actually looked pretty cool. I'm like, why don't you do that move more often, buddy? Like, so much of your offense looks stupid, and that actually looks cool. Uh, but Wato kicked out it too. Uh, Yoshi followed up with an axe bomber, but Wato kicked out it too again. Everybody came in one after another, and Abushi and Tana are able to get back on the same page for a missile drop kick with Tana holding Ishii. I'll be honest, I thought he was going to move and Abushi was going to hit Tana to continue that storyline, but, you know, didn't happen. Uh, Tana hold, held Yoshiashi for a double high kick uh, from Wato and Abushi. That, that actually looked pretty cool. And then Wato headed up and went for his RPP, that, you know, twisting senton thing he does. But Yoshiashi rolled out of the way. Uh, Wato recovered, hit a spinning kick, and then some kind of weird arm hook driver thing. I don't, do you know what that thing is called? I have no idea what to call that move he did. It looks no, like, it I lo- don't know either. It looked almost like Saki Akai's finisher. It was very, like, why, we're stealing finishers from Saki Akai now, I guess. Uh, but yeah, so she actually kicked out of two again. Uh, Wato hit a nice high kick, but Gojo ran in and uh, saved the day. As we get a double team Usigaroshi and a super kick from Yoshihashi, or with a super kick from Yoshihashi, I should say, a sliding form from Ishii, and a double knees from Yoshihashi for a two count. Yoshi hit Karma on Wato and finally gets the pin. Uh, so there you go. This was an awesome main event. Uh, Yoshihashi and Wato, they're two guys who get a lot of hate, a lot of shit, but they both brought it here. They had a great closing stretch. Uh, I went back and forth, but I decided to fuck it, say fuck it, and go. Uh, no, I decided, to fuck, I decided to say fuck it and go four stars flat. There you go. I did not fuck the match. Uh, <laughs> I went three and three quarters. Uh, this might be my match of the tournament. I think this is my match of the tournament. Yeah, it's definitely uh, mine too. Uh, Water looked great here. And I think whatever you think of him, I think he's going to like grow into the gimmick and improved. I mean, he's already shown improvement over the course of these shows. And this was a pretty probably the best performance i've seen since he returned triumphantly returned to new japan so uh yeah i mean it's awesome so there you go that's uh that was a really awesome main event uh and abushi got in ishii's face of the match he chopped him a few times and i'm like yes please give me abushi ishii randomly i would love it i'm like i don't know what they're only shooting their own angle or what but well i mean ishii and yoshihashi could probably come after the tag titles Mm. Tanahashi and Abushi um, were to win them back. That's a good point. I didn't even think of that. Uh, the semi-final was the other never open weight six-man title tournament. Uh, semi-final, actually. And Okada, Toriyano, and Sho defeated Shingo, Bushi, and Sonata in 13.07 by count out. Uh, Bushi got counted out when he got tired of the term, tired of the railing on the outside. I was wondering why the fuck this wasn't the main event, because on paper, you know... I feel like Chaos vs. L.I.J. is a bigger match, uh, but like, you know, especially with Okada in there. But, uh, you know, given this fucking finish, I get why it wasn't the main event, because <laughs> this would be a pretty stupid finish to end the show with. Uh, get some nice grappling with Sho and Shinada to start. 
uh, you know, two guys that can definitely hold their own on the mat, and I like I like their exchange a lot. Ended with a bit of a stalemate. Uh, Yano and Bushi tagged in, and they exchanged roll-ups, and Yano somewhat comedically, like, spots, spotted Shingo trying to pull him from out of the ring, but that just gave Bushi the chance to roll him up again for another two-count. Uh, they both tagged out to Okada and Shingo, which is what people obviously wanted to see. I really hope they meet in the G1 this year, because I feel like they could have a really awesome match, uh, you know, which we haven't seen yet as far as a singles match. But we get the the big clean break from Okada, which of course uh, pisses Shingo off. But Shingo wins the resulting shoulder block battle. Uh, Bushi and Sonata help Shingo take control, just as we hit the five-minute mark. Uh, there's some more chin locking from Shingo and then Bushi on Okada that isn't terribly exciting. Uh, Show and Sonata tag back in, have another really fun exchange, and that's a. I think we're going to get that singles match in the KOPW, it sounds like, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, Show ends up getting the better of it and nearly tapping him out with an armbar, but Sonata makes the ropes. Uh, we got a big Bushi and Yano roll up exchange sequence. Bushi kind of trips on the bottom rope on a dive, which I don't I don't think he was trying to do, but like Yano was moving out of the way anyway, so whatever. It's a good time to have a botch, I guess, when you're not supposed to hit the guy anyway. Uh, Yano got the win by tying Bushi's mask to the barricade and taking the count out. An annoyingly stupid finish to what had been a pretty damn good match by then. Uh, it was enough to take it down to three and a quarter for me, but the Sonata show stuff was awesome, and I look forward to the singles match. Yeah, I thought it was just okay. Um, it was a little slow to start, I thought, and I didn't like the finish either. I think getting counted out, even though the way they did it, because it is a six-man tag, it seems somewhat preposterous to me. Like, how do you get counted out when you have, like, <laughs> multiple teammates? It's just, I don't know. It sort of bothers me, I guess. Uh, match number four was another six-man tag. Not in the tournament, though. Uh, it was Suzuki-Goon losing here. Minoru Suzuki, Desperado, and Doki uh, losing to Tenzan, Kojima, and Taguchi. Kojima pinning Doki at 9.37 with the Lariat. Uh, all action, a lot of fun before Kojima got the pin. I didn't take a lot of notes on it, but I went three and a quarter. I thought it was quite a bit of fun. Yeah, I just give it high marks because Kojima actually won a match. <laughs> uh, and Taguchi afterwards got a bonus armbar tap out on Desperado on the floor for some reason. I was like, what the fuck is up with that? <laughs> Why do we have Desperado tapping out to Taguchi on the floor? Uh, Suzuki Especially just... since you're building... To, like, another Desperado match. With, yeah, with Kojima, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Suzuki just leaves. He's like, I don't give a shit about any of this. I'm going for Shingo. I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, But, yes, afterwards, Kojima announced his intention to compete in the KOBW 2020, but Desperado uh, got offended on behalf of Stan Hansen. I thought it was kind of funny. I'm like, okay. So I guess that's going to be a first-round match. I think we can can say we know three of them, right? You say Okada Yujiro... Sonata Show and Despi and Despi Kojima. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, so we we're just missing the fourth one. So it's interesting. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely uh, you know Okada Yujiro will fucking suck again probably, but the other two, I mean, I, I'd be pretty surprised if those two aren't pretty damn good matches. So I want to see what the fourth one is. Well, uh, I mean, this might sound crazy, but if if you're bringing in shenanigans to the Okada Ujiro match, it might actually turn out to be better than their just like standard singles match. Yeah. Depending on how it's booked. That's a good point. It could also be even worse, right? <laughs> but if anything, you could use the step to cover it up, right? Well, you heard what the two steps are going to be, right? 
Yeah. I mean, I don't... Which don't exactly sound <laughs> the best, but I don't know. I mean, uh, people people like, in Slack are freaking out and like, oh, uh, those steps sound terrible. I'm like, it's Okada Yujiro. I mean, like, what what are they going to do? Make it... It can't get much worse. I mean, what's the big deal? Honestly, I would probably take the handicap match over the Lumberjack match. Yeah. Because Lumberjack matches suck. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so between matches three and four, we got the updated full schedule for G1 Climax 30. Uh, it is 19 shows. I wrote down the locations here. It's a little interesting. Uh, it starts out with two days at Adeon Arena Osaka, two days in Sapporo. So that is a lot of travel. Uh, wh- Going to Hokkaido. Is it, is, Ho- is Hokkaido still a hotspot? I, I don't think it is con- to the okay. same degree, but uh, I could be wrong. One day in Kobe, two days in Korokan. Uh, one day in Aori Nagaoka, which is frequently the New Japan Cup final. Uh, it's also in Sonata's hometown in Niigata, so I assume, or home prefecture of Niigata. So I assume Sonata will be in the main event of that one again, probably. Uh, one day in Takamatsu. Two days in Hiroshima, which I, I can't remember the last time they did two days in Hiroshima. It's usually a one-day one stop. Uh, one day in Okayama. Another day back in Osaka, and these are all at the Ideon Arena. Uh, one day in Nagoya, the same place they just had the Sengoku Lord, the Dolphins Arena. Uh, one day in Hamamatsu. One day at the brand new Yokohama Budokan. So that'll be the first, you know, the first New Japan show there, I assume. And three day, three final days at Sumo Hall, which at least puts to rest the speculation that the pro wrestling companies can't book Sumo Hall during this. So that is going to happen still. But the, those those last three days um, for Sumo Hall, they're in October, right? Yeah. I think they're the they same. Canceled, they canceled Sumo Halls for Noah and DDT were in November, though, right? I think so, yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I think the Sumo I, Hall I, dates someone, are still the same. I think. There's... I thought someone said something about Sumo in November, and they wanted to protect the building just in case or something. So I don't know what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that I think the Sumo Hall dates are still the same because that's when I was gonna, you know, I still have a fucking flight there that I have to cancel shortly. But I think that's the same dates I already had planned on going. Uh, but yeah, the G1 is supposed to kick off September 19th, so it was exactly six weeks from this show on August 8th. So, you know, we'll see. Hopefully it happens. Uh, match number three was the Suzuki-gun team of Taichi, Zack Sabre Jr., and Yoshinobu Kanemaru beating Togi Makabe, Tomoyaki Homa, and Yuji Nagata in 10:34. Uh, Taichi submitting Hanma with the stretch plum. You know, this was all right, I guess. Nagata cleaned house early, really took it to Kanemaru. Uh, Zach came in to cut him off, and uh, Nagata came back with an exploder. That whole exchange was pretty fun. Uh, Homer tagged in, and that part was not fun. <laughs> he tried his best, but uh, didn't look like he was having a good day. And Taichi submitted him with the stretch plum. Uh, the stuff before, like I said, the stuff before Homer got in the room was fun. Most of it with Homer in there was not really, so I went like two and three quarters. I went gentleman's three. It was fine. Um, then Hanma came in, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> Taichi wins the stretch plum, and everyone goes home happy, so it was fine. Uh, match number two, Yujiro Takahashi and Gato defeating Yota Suji and Gabriel Kidd. Uh, Yujiro pinning Gabriel Kidd with the Pimp Juice in 751. Uh, this was probably my biggest uh, gap with fucking Gravel when I was filling this out. Um, I thought this was fine. I mean, I like the, the Young Lions kept things at a certain level of excitement, even with Yujiro and Gato in there. Uh, you know, it just, I went two and three quarters. It's not like I loved her or anything, but like, like Grapple hated it. Like, it seemed like they were rating it like one and a half, one, one three quarters, two stars. So I don't know where, are you closer to me or close to Grapple? I went two. It was <laughs> meh. Although, like, Kid and Suji looked 
good, but I just couldn't couldn't get me over the hump to any more than two. Uh, and, and I'm he... not even like, oh fuck, Yujiro's on my screen or something. <laughs> like, I don't hate him. I'm not saying he's good, but this just didn't do anything for me. Uh, the opener was Yuya Uemura defeating or losing to Taiji Shimori, of course, in eight thirteen with the yes lock. This was pretty damn good. I mean, this is a uh, you know, the, I thought this was better than their Dominion match or New Japan Cup final, whatever the fuck they had that match at uh, in Osaka. But yeah, Uemura started off really hot. Taiji cut him off pretty quick on the floor. Uh, you know, this match was just really, like, a lot of fun stuff. And Irimura just got Irimura just got the kick out of everything before finally tapping after the yes lock. And just some really great action. I went three and a half. I thought this was, like, better than the last match, like I said, from Osaka. And just a great deal of fun. Yeah, I went three and a quarter. I thought the timing of Yumura's, uh spots were great. Like, oh, is this guy going to do it? He got a lot of offense, and I thought Taiji's jumping knee looked cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, why the fuck did Ishimori seeing suddenly cut to ELPs for a second? Was it like just to remind us that ELP exists? Or someone put in their tag team trackers? Oh yeah, something? <laughs> it was very weird. Uh, the that, but yeah, that's it for that show. Uh, you know, awesome main event. So definitely a good show overall when you have a, a four-star main event at a Korokan. So, uh, the final night of the Korokan here was the Summer Struggle August 9th from earlier today on Sunday. Uh, the main event here was the finals in the Never Open with Six Man Tag Team Tournament, the Big Chaos Showdown. Uh, Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, and Yoshihashi defeating Kazuchika Okada, Toriyano, and Sho. Ishii pinning show in 24-18 with the vertical drop frame buster to become the 21st never open weight six man champions. Uh, first of all, I have to say, as I just tweeted it, but like Yoshihashi not even being involved in the finish for to win his first championship after eight and a half fucking years is the greatest. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. I don't know if you have disagree with me on that, but that that is exactly how it should have been. Yeah, from. no, I agree. So we start out with Okada and Yoshihashi. The Wrestle Kingdom 6 rematch is finally here. Uh, all three guys end up pounding on Yoshihashi, which is very nice of them, uh, before show tags in. Uh, Okada just fe- clearly fears Yoshihashi, did not want any part of him. Uh, we get a heat segment on show with Goto and then Ishii just beating his ass. Uh, show keeps trying to fight back on Ishii, only to get put down with the chop and elbow combo as he really gives it to him there. It uh, goes on for quite a while. Uh, show finally reverses a Goto suplex and looks to finally make the tag before Ishii and Yoshiashi run over to take out Okada and Yano. Uh, show double spears them and then finally makes the hot tag to Toriano, which is a little weird. Uh, his whole hot tag is basically taking the turnbuckle pad off, nearly rolling up Goto, and then immediately getting cut off by Yoshiashi when he tried to do his uh, hang on to the ropes thing and getting hit with a backdrop suplex and lariat by Goto. So I guess you can't call it formulaic, at least, but it was a bizarre hot tag after how long show got worked over. Uh, Yano tags in Okada, who has finally worked up the courage to face Yoshihashi again. Uh, they have a pretty tepid elbow exchange, with uh, which Yoshihashi at least ends with a hard chop before Okada wipes him out with a running back elbow. Um, we get your standard big, like everybody runs in and hits moves on each other exchange. Isn't really anything too exciting, honestly. 
Uh, Yoshiashi ends it by hitting an okay super kick on Okada. Okada comes back and gets that stupid-ass money clip locked in on him, uh, which manages to look even worse than usual because of Yoshi's kind of bad selling. But Ishii makes the save after probably way too long, given that it's Yoshihashi. Uh, Okada sets him up for the Rainmaker, and he hits the short-arm lariat just as we get the 15-minute call. Uh, He goes for a second one, but Yoshi suddenly answers with his own short-range lariat. So that spot was at least awesome. Finally, the only good part, really, just Okada-Yoshihashi exchange. Um, he followed up with an axe bomber for a two count and then locked in the stupid butterfly lock, but Okada made it to the ropes finally after a long struggle in that very dumb hold. Uh, we end up with Sho and Ishii, and this is where the match really picks up. Uh, Sho tries a spear, Ishii blocks and it's a big suplex. Sho no-sells and gets the spear after all. Yano comes in to help and it leads to a really close near fall for Sho on Ishii with a, uh, with a German suplex hold. Uh, Sho starts nailing Ishii with some really hard kicks, but he comes back with a power bomb for a near fall, just as we hit the 20-minute mark. And that, like I said, thankfully this got pretty good now. Uh, Sho eventually got the cross armbreaker locked in, and Ishii is just doing a great job screaming in agony here. Definitely go compare him to that Yoshiashi selling from earlier. It's not a, not a good comparison for Yoshi. Uh, Goto is able to dive in to save him, and Sho ends up coming back and hitting a cross-arm German suplex in Ishii for a two-count. He wipes him out with a hard lariat. Uh, all the, but, but Okada and, uh, I'm sorry, but Goto and Yoshihashi come in to help Ishii finally. And then we get the diving double knees from Yoshihashi, a sliding form from Ishii. Ishii hits a lariat, but Sho kicks out at two. He hits the brain buster on Sho and covers, and that's it. So uh, that's the end of the match. But yeah, I thought this was surprisingly slow going at points, and again, comparing my take to Grapple's take. I'm way below it. That's like a 4.22 average or something, and I was pretty surprised when I saw that. I mean, I would go 3.5. I liked it, but, uh, you know, the Ishii and Show stuff, like, saved the match after I thought the early portion was, like, surprisingly not very good at all. So I would definitely take the Saturday main event over this one. Uh, I also went 3.5. I was good, like, especially with the Show and Ishii stuff, like you said at the end, but that Okada, Yoshihashi stuff just to fill time because they're going 24, which is longer than they usually do in New Japan six-mans. They were obviously slowed down and looked like they were just trying to fill up space. Uh, one thing that I did uh, agree with you, that Yoshihashi like, sort of reversal into the lariat was awesome, but like I could feel the crowd wanted to scream for Yoshihashi when he did that. Right. right? That was just like that moment where it's like, ah, oh, if we had the crowd, they'd be going wild. And I think uh, uh, like a like a crowd that could, you know, chant and scream and whatever would have certainly helped this match too at times. Um, they were supposed to do that like beta test for this. Yeah, I saw that, but I was like, I was like, wait, am I supposed to be hearing something? But <laughs> I never heard it. Yeah, the New Japan Cheer app. It just, yeah, I don't know what happened with that. They, they, I never heard it all night either. I mean, this was like the weekend where I finally got used to the clap crowds. I think because I just watched so many shows over and over and over again with all these crowds. Like it just kind of. I'm not noticing it as much as I used to, I guess. See, I hate, I hate the clap crowds, clap. I said crap, <laughs> clap uh, crowds now because, like, for the most part, like, uh, I was watching all of the All Japan at the arena shows, and they just stuck staffers and wrestlers that weren't wrestling in the in the crowd. So Kento would get his chance when he came out and everything like that. People would at least pop for the big moves. So I, my brain hadn't been like rewired 
uh, so to speak, from the empty arena stuff as much, I think, as some people's were. So the clapping is still jarring to me. Yeah, I don't know. It just I got I got used to it finally, I guess. But uh, you know, it it is what it is. I mean, we're going to be stuck with it for a while, so mm-hmm. my no, no point really complaining about it anymore. But uh, you know, it as far as like. I mean, it was funny because it's like the moment I got used to it, I thought they were going to try this fucking cheer app thing, but they didn't, you know, it didn't end up being anything. So, like, Milano held it up at the start of the show, and that was, like, well, the only thing we saw. I mean, it could even if it's, like, the crowd can sort of control the volume, sometimes just, like, the quality of piped-in noise just sounds crappy. Yeah. Regardless. I mean, I think the AEW shit sounds awful. I listened to that on this past week, and I'm like, once you notice it, that like it, it's almost like SmackDown from 2000s level of like that mm. that that repetitive like uh like kind of sound. I haven't <laughs> like, watched AEW in a couple of weeks, so I don't I don't know. Yeah, like the tape shows, you can definitely notice it. Uh, the semi-made event here: Naito and Evil work tonight. <laughs> it was Evil and Taiji Shimori beating Naito and Bushi in 10:57 by DQ. Uh, so it started out with Naito. Uh, beating Evil's ass all around ringside. Very aggressive in the match in general. Even just, like, tossing Marty Asami aside to keep stopping Evil in the corner and gave him a basic basement drop kick. Uh, the referee ended up getting bumped, and Dick Togo came in with his uh, choke wire of doom. But after all three guys were stomping on Naito, Hiromu suddenly returned. Uh, he's been out for a couple weeks now with this sh- shoulder injury. Uh, he went right after Ishimori. And the referee ends up calling it. He recovers and sees, uh, you know, tight or uh, Hiromu beating on Taiji, and calls the DQ to give it to Evil Nishimori. So the angle was, you know, kind of cool. The, obviously, it's not a great finish to a match, but uh, it's like the match was anything super special before that anyway. So it's not really that big deal. You know, it's just building up to two big, uh, two big matches of Jingu here. So or Jingu. But yeah, I mean, I thought I still went three stars. I thought it was heated, a good little brawl. Obviously, no finish, but you know, build up match. Uh, yeah, it was it was fine for what it was. It was an angle. I'm sort of surprised it took this long to get to a DQ finish between uh, these teams, or like a combination of these teams, given how many shows we've had so far. Uh, the Evil and Naito stuff was great, great build. So yeah, I mean, this is perfectly fine match just to advance the story. So I don't really have an issue. With stuff like this. Yeah. Uh, match number four at 8-Man Tag. Tanahashi, Ibushi, Tenzan, and Wato beating Taichi, Zack, Desperado, and Kanemaru. Tanahashi pinning Kanemaru in 12.45 at the High Fly Flow. Just, Stop it. He finally hits that fucking move at least. Uh, it started out a bit slow. The brawl around ringside really was not anything special. Uh, things picked up back in the ring with a nice Ibushi-Taichi exchange. Um, you know, they clapped loudly to support Ibushi. But then we got a big wild closing sequence with everyone running through, and Tanahashi hit the high fly flow on Kenemaru for the pin, which is easily his most decisive win in quite a long time. Uh, but so I guess they're trying to show that he's like recovering finally. But yeah, the match really wasn't anything too special, especially the early boring portion. I went two and three quarters. Yeah, it's fine for what it was. Uh, I'd go the gentleman's three. Um, I think when you sort of just keep after four like days of almost like same combinations of teams it's like you're gonna run out of stuff to do pretty fast (laughs) yeah and it's one thing when you're going on like a house show tour and like not every show is televised in different cities and that but you're gonna get exposed for straight tv shows at cork and uh shingo and sonata defeating minoru suzuki and doki in 1209 Uh, sonata pinning doki with the o'connor bridge and and, uh, like i said in 1209 so 
uh, this was pretty good. Uh, I thought this, I actually liked this quite a bit. Uh, you know, Suzuki and Doki jumped their opponents with the bell. Uh, turned into a wild brawl around ringside, and you know, Suzuki used a chair on Shingo. Uh, and then Sonata and Doki had another pretty fun exchange and it ended with Sonata pinning him with the uh, Okada roll. You know, fun match. I went three and a quarter. I, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, I think this might have been the best sort of uh, undercard uh, match for me because it did a great job sort of esta- further establishing the whole Shingo versus Suzuki thing. So, yeah, go about three and a quarter. Match two was Kojima, Nagata, and Taguchi beating Makabe, Honma, and Suji. Kojima pinning Suji in 9.47 with a lariat. Uh, some fun action here with the old guys, uh, even including Honma for once as he and Nagata really went at it. Uh, and Yota Suji did a flipping senton on Kojima. Like, he's a big guy to do a flip senton. That looked pretty cool. Uh, and then Kojima, though, finally comes back and lays him out with a lariat for the win. Another three and a quarter star match for me. Fun and energetic. I enjoyed this one. Yeah, it was fun. It was great for what it was. And as a third-generation enthusiast, I'm pro, actually, would like to see Yuji Nagata and Kojima as, like, a regular tag team because they can still both go. I think that would be, like, what I would like to see, but I doubt New Japan will do that. And the opener, Yuji Takahashi and Gato beating Rimura and Gabriel Kidd in 8.32 with the uh, Yuji opening Rimura in 8.32 with the Pimp Juice. Uh, I don't know. Match was pretty boring, I thought. Not even as good as yesterday. The Young Lions, uh, you know, they, they tried to bring a little excitement when they fought back, but, uh, you know, Yujiro and Gato, you can only do so much with them. But yeah, I didn't even think this was as good as the previous day's match. I only went two and a quarter here. Yeah, uh, you know what? i probably going to admit that my attention wasn't completely focused on this, so I didn't really make... It just kind of reminded me of the day before, right? So I would just slap another, like, two stars on it, whatever. It was what it was. But overall, yeah, right. I, I thought this was a really fun weekend of uh, New Japan. I mean, I you know, nothing... All four shows had their share of pretty damn good stuff. Uh, we got at least a four-star match out of this. I mean, you know, out of this tournament and a bunch of a bunch of other stuff I really liked. So I would say it was a, uh, a, fun, a fun four days, a fun tournament, and I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, my biggest critique would be the undercard by day four, with the exception of really the uh, uh, the Shingo and the Suzuki match with those guys. It's, it was starting to get a little tired and, you know, wearing on you, I thought, because we'd seen those combinations all before in one way or another. Yeah. But, but it's still, I mean, the overall, it was still four fun shows. So there you go. Uh, I guess we'll move over then to Pro Wrestling Noah for two shows also at Corken Hall on August 4th on Tuesday and August 5th, Wednesday. They were both Departure 2020, the 20th anniversary of NOAA. Uh, I mean, first of all, the very first thing that has to be said, for the 20th anniversary of your promotion's founding, the best you can do is two Corkins with two matches between them. I mean, there's like two, the main events were big matches. Everything on both undercards was nothing. Like, I was really flabbergasted just looking at these cards. I don't know. Do, do you just... I'm, well, I, I guess if you're looking at it from a 20th anniversary perspective, yeah. I mean, there wasn't anything special. I wouldn't say anything was offensive. Like, I gave a bunch of, like, three and three quarters and two and three quarters to the undercards. But I suppose if you sort of look at it as the 20th anniversary, yeah, there was no spice or anything like that yeah, in the I, undercards. I just very, very I found it very bizarre, honestly. Uh the main event of night one, which is... I mean, we're going to talk about the only thing 
on both shows that I really liked that much. So, I mean, this is this is really right, right off the bat, and it was all downhill from here. Uh, the main event of the first day was for the GHC national title. Uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima trying to defend against Kano, but Kano gets the win by knockout in 24-45. Um, so, yeah, this was awesome. I mean, this was the... If you're going to watch anything from these two shows, this should be it. I mean, you really could skip almost everything else, but this was an awesome match. Um... We started things off with a big stare down, just like Go Fujita, although this one lasted only under two and a half minutes instead of 30. But I just thought it was funny that we had another Noah match that starts out with the, the stare down. Uh, Nakajima finally just went after him. Uh, they do a cool little sequence on the floor early on where Kano gets like Irish whipped by Nakajima, but like grabs onto the ring post to swing himself back in the ring and then hit a baseball slide to Nakajima back on the floor. A cute and like kind of innovative spot. Uh, the brawl on the floor kind of drags a little bit, but things get better once they're back in the ring. Uh, we really had overdrive with the crazy kick sequence from Nakajima and a spinning brain buster. He goes for the PK, but Kano manages to get out of the way. Uh, but he's like still down and selling the beating as we hit the 20 minute mark. Uh, Kano comes back by like kicking Nakajima's legs out from under him when he tries something off the top rope. And this spot I, I don't love because it doesn't make a lot of sense why Nakajima is like suddenly unable to do anything, just having his legs kicked. I mean, he was one who was kicking all this ass before uh, before this, so there's really no reason for him to be selling. It was kind of a bad transition spot. Uh, Kano hits a crazy dragon suplex off the top, and then an enormous top rope double stomp right after that. So that was really cool. Uh, Nakajima kicks out. We get a awesome fucking slap exchange. Both guys really trying to actually dodge them instead of just standing there and taking them. That was It looked really great. Uh, both guys start trading kicks, and Kano eventually gets the better of it with a high kick that puts Nakajima down, and the referee stops it for the knockout. An awesome finish. They just end up trading, and Kano just got the better of it in the end. But yeah, I went four and a quarter overall. There were there were parts that dragged, and I said that little one transition annoyed me a lot, but it was just a super physical battle between two guys who just beat the piss out of each other. Exactly what I love in professional wrestling. And like I said, an awesome finish too, so... I went four. Um, yeah, I agree that it sort of dragged in points, but everything from, like, the top rope dragon suplex and the stomp was awesome. The finish was good. And there was also, like, uh, this one sequence where, like, Nakajima was, like, blocking a bunch of Kano's kicks and then just, like, unleashed a flurry of his own. Uh, Kano doesn't always do it for me, so I, I don't know. I sort of have this thing with him, although I don't think he's bad by any stretch, but he just never sort of reaches that sort of super elite level. But, I mean, I still thought this was the best show, a best match on both of these shows, and definitely worth checking out. Uh, the semi-main event was the alleged 28th anniversary match, six-man tag <laughs> team match. Now Miji Marafuji, Takashi Sugera, and Yoshinori Ogawa defeating Goshi Ozaki, Kaito Kiyomiya, and Kataro Suzuki in 27:45, And boy, it felt like uh, every second of that. But, I mean, it was just really boring. Uh, you know, it finally picked up. And we had Go and Marafuji building up their match the next night. Uh, Go used, like, these Vader hammers on Marafuji, which looked pretty good. But Marafuji came back with a key lock that he eventually got locked in on him after a brief struggle and Go tapped. Um, you know, I I was charitable with three stars. I was very dull a lot of the way. Did pick up towards the end. But, God, it was not worth 28 minutes of your life. I would not recommend watching it. Uh, yeah, I also went three stars. This was certainly, to me, the most disappointing match of the two days because I didn't exactly have the highest expectations on 
uh, Go versus Mara Fuji as a singles, but I was looking forward to this match. Um, I have like a few things. I liked the Ogawa versus Kaido stuff at the beginning. That was fun. And I thought the Go versus Mara Fuji stuff at the end was actually pretty decent, but it just sort of lacked ended up lacking drama at the in this like right at the end when he finally gets him in the, in the submission and i also noted like when when uh marfuji's got go in the key lock i noted just sort of it, it sort of summed up the match for me ogawa and suzuki are on the outside and like ogawa just casually like strolls up to suzuki and gives him the most like least menacing looking eye rake i've ever seen and it's sort of like to keep him from uh saving uh, go and I just thought that summed it up like just casually go and give it an eye rake at us what it's supposed to be a heated finish so uh, match four can can you explain something to me I never understand what the fuck is going on with Rattel's like Daisuke Harada Tadasuke and Yohei they're still teaming together on every show they're not called Rattel's the announcers refer to them as the former Rattel's why are they not just called Rattel's still I don't understand I don't quite know I mean I get uh, it I mean I get that fucking what's his Hayata's not in it anymore but like why can't the rest of them just be Rattels if they're going to team up all the time anyway? I don't understand. Because they'll end up turning on each other in a couple of months anyway. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's like one of the dumbest things. It's it's a very minor thing, but it just fucking annoys me. Like I'm, it's, it's, it's like, okay, we split up Chaos, and now all the Chaos members are still teaming together, but they're not allowed to be called Chaos. It's like, what? Like, everybody would be like, what the fuck? Well, what does that like, mean? I'm going to admit that I was watching Noah, like, all through early, of the year, early in the year, but then as soon as the... I realized how sort of bad their empty arena shows were like during the tag league. I sort of tuned out and waited for the crowds to come back. So I missed a bit of Noah, although I've been catching up lately and I thought the Congo produce show was actually a lot of fun uh, from July 24th. So I, if I've missed something with the ongoing saga, for Tell, <laughs> I, I, might have. I just, I don't understand it either. Uh, but yeah, so Harada, the, not the Rattels, Harada, Zanosuke and Yohei defeated full throttle. Uh, Atsushi Kotoge, Hajimo Ohara, and Seki Yoshioka in 1455. Um, you know, this was to build up an I- IPW Junior title match for August 10th with Harada and Kotoge, which is a battle of ex-tag team partners. Uh, which, by the way, that, that belt, like, outliving the promotion in the UK is pretty funny. Um, Harada got his knees up on a Kotoge moonsault and just immediately pinned him, which was a, a pretty surprise ending. Uh, it was some perfectly fine junior six-man action, no, nothing really stood out here to me in any way. I went three stars on it again. So, yeah, I thought it was fine, um, and I liked the finish. It was perfectly fine, like junior six man. Uh, match number three was Mohamed Yone and Shuhei Tanaguchi defeating the Congo team of Manabu Soya and Yoshiki Inamura in thirteen thirty. Uh, you know, Soya with the bright red hair just looks so different than the Soya yeah. I remember from Russell One. It's like really crazy. Uh, Soya and Maybach had a nice little thick dude battle, but this this match was like again something you wouldn't expect to say a few years ago. Match is pretty good when Maybach Kanaguchi of all people was in there, uh, especially when he's in there with Soya. But it was pretty bad when Yone was in there. Yone had a bad night. Uh, Tanaguchi, you know, he had a series of PKs for the win. Uh, you know, I, I just like I don't know. Even the portion with him and Soya kind of ended up to drag by the, a little by the end. So I would go with two and a half. I mean, just was like. A average match. I like this. I went three and a quarter. Uh, I thought Tanaguchi versus Soya was the highlight. Also, I would recommend on the July 24th Congo Produce Show, there's a pretty good Tanaguchi versus Manabu Soya singles match that's worth checking out. Um, 
But I, also, I thought Inamura didn't really do anything. It was really all Taniguchi and Soya uh, for here, but I, I liked it. Match two, Hayata and Kenya Okada defeating uh, Okongo of Team of How and Neo. Um, you know, this was just really not good. I mean, the indie referee awkwardness to it, especially when Hayata and How were working together. Uh, just spots where both guys would stop randomly or things that just looked very very overly clunky. Uh, Hayata ended up getting the pin with a roll-up. I just didn't like this at all. Went one and three quarters. I went like two and a half. Uh, it never really... Like, if you're going to do sloppy uh, indie level work, then at least you know, do some crazy shit, which they didn't even bother to do here. It was whatever. I mean, it didn't, like, come across as the worst match or anything, so I'll just give it a two and a half. And... Uh, the opener, Masakita Miya beating Akitoshi, Akitoshi Saito at 9-14. Uh, Saito can, you know, can have his moments, but this was not it. I mean, <laughs> it was old man Saito beating down Kitamiya for a while, uh, and then, you know, he hit him with a weak-looking spear for the win. Not good. One and a half stars. Yeah, I went one and three quarters. Just, this shouldn't have been on this show. So, yeah, this undercard was not good. Uh, you know, main event was awesome. Undercard was pretty damn bad with, like, you know, peaked at three stars for me and some really bad stuff in the earlier part of it especially. So, definitely not. You know, like I said, just watch the main event. You don't have to watch anything else on the show. Uh, then, I don't know, do you disagree with that at all? No. The Noah Day 2, Departure Day 2 on August 5th. Um, so this started out with a, a main event that I guess is be, proving to be pretty divisive with Goshi Uzaki and Naomi Chimarafuji. It has a high, a much higher rating on fucking cage match than I ever would have expected. It's an 8.38 based oh, wow. on 20 votes, which like averages out to like a four, you know, almost a four and a quarter. Like between the four inmates and four are and running the asylum. Yeah, I don't know what that fucking rate. I mean, I thought this fucking sucked. I mean, I, I've seen other people say it sucked, too. I've seen a lot of people say it was fine. I saw one guy on Twitter say it was match of the year, which I'm like, okay. But, yeah, I thought this was, like, one of the worst major world title matches I've seen in a long time. I just thought it was really bad. I mean, it dragged forever. I mean, th- almost 31 minutes. Uh, started very slow. Um, you know, there was a nice spot where Go where Marifuji sent, like, a... He dropped toe hold and Go into the barricade which looked dangerous but still very slow pace uh, we get a long grounded headlock from marifuji that felt like it went on forever uh you know marifuji did the probably the height of the match other than that that drop toll was marifuji hitting his uh step up knee attack on go with go in midair going for a diving shoulder block uh but it was so boring again after that i mean the only spot of note i have in quite a while is marifuji hitting an apron pile driver on go which honestly didn't even look that cool uh, Go went for the Go Flasher for a two count, or he hit the Go Flasher for a two count. Uh, Marifuji hit a very sloppy looking strike sequence, and then that stupid, like, standing Shuranai that I always thought looked bad. And that he hits, gets that for a two count before the 20 minute mark. Uh, he hits the real Shuranai for another two count. They fight to the top rope, uh, and Mario gets the Shuranai off the top, but Go kicks out too again. And there's nothing wrong with this finishing sequence, but, like, it just feels extremely by the numbers with neither guy showing anything in the way of passion or fire. I didn't think either guy was selling really particularly well either. It just felt like, you know, we're here, we're doing this match, this is what we're doing. It just didn't, it didn't, like, nothing in here grabbed me at all. 
we get another very awkward sequence where Go just kind of ends up standing there for a second before Maru like wraps him up in his wacky submission takedown and then gets a key lock. Uh, and Go's selling just like, again, looked very lethargic for, here to me and uh, just wasn't into that at all. Uh, we finally get some energy from Marafuji with a nice little combo of knee strikes and super kicks on Go for a two count. Uh, the crowd also starts clapping much louder here, indicating they're finally into it as we hit the 25-minute mark. Uh, Marafuji hits a knee attack. After a very delayed cover, Go kicks out. Uh, I don't know, Marafuji goes for something. I don't, I don't even know what. But Go kind of like catches him in midair and just kind of hoists him up and hits the Emerald Frozen. Uh, and now both guys are down, which is exactly what this match did not need. Uh, they did a very slow chop exchange. Uh, and again, we're almost 30 minutes in here, and the chop exchange was... A slow chop exchange was not what this match needed either. Uh, you know, they start chopping each other a little faster, and it gets a little better, but I was still very ready for this match to be over. Thankfully, it almost was. And Go hit an Emerald Frozen just for the 30-minute call. Marifuji kicks out. Uh, Go slams him and hits a Moonsault for the pin. Uh, thank God. I thought this fucking sucked. Like I said, I went one and three quarters. I don't even think it deserves two stars. Uh, neither guy looked like they gave a shit. Neither guy showed any fire. Neither guy sold particularly well. They look like they just slept, walked through a match that was just dull as shit. Uh, I just didn't like it. <laughs> didn't like it at all. And it's not like I'm some Go Shiozaki or Noah hater. I mean, Go versus Kiyomiya from the start of the year is like a four and three quarter star match and like one of my matches of the year. But uh, this just wasn't. This just wasn't good. Uh, well, I'm not gonna go insane like some people at cage match, but I just went gentleman's three on this. Uh, it was slow and it dragged. But as someone that has to, like, force myself not to pick up my phone when I get bored watching wrestling, it somehow still managed to keep my attention enough so I didn't pick up my phone. Although that's not to say it was, like, thrilling, but it was just barely enough. And there was some absolutely sloppy stuff in here, I agree. Um, I don't know. I, I appreciate Go at least looking like he's trying to sell his arm through most of the match, which is something that not wrestlers sort of don't even some wrestlers don't even bother to try to do uh when it comes to limb selling i don't know I, I i couldn't truly hate it but like uh like i couldn't love it either i thought it was fine for it was passable i guess i don't know not for a minute fine three stars in a great gta title match anyway. for, for a 30 minute match <laughs> yeah. too also, right yeah. like there was a couple of moments that i, I couldn't hate it you know so uh i kind of liked i guess so yeah three Match number four in the show was the Sugera Gun Team and a 12-man tag team match. Hideki Suzuki, Kazayashi, Kazushi Sakuraba, Kendo Kashin, Nosawa Rangai, and Takashi Sugera defeating the Kongo team of Hao, Nio, Kano, Manabu Soya, Masakitamiya, and Yoshiki Inamura in 1958. Um... This I enjoyed. I went, I like this quite a bit. I mean, there was some really nice grappling with Kano and Sakuraba early. Uh, Hideki and Soya had this, like, big boy confrontation with a test of strength. And then a headlock into the corner. Things got kind of heated there. And Hideki even, like, pie-faced him as he broke the hold, which is pretty great. Uh, Kitamiya came in next and really wanted Sugera. But, like, somewhat hilariously, they tell Nosawa to go get him instead. Uh, that go went about as well for him as you probably expect. Uh, after that, all six members of Congo took turns beating up Kendo Kashin, which was kind of funny. Uh, they did, they went, tried to do the same thing with Sugera. It didn't go nearly as well as he wiped out most of that team with lariats. Um, we got a plancha from Sakuraba, which was cool. Uh, it was immediately followed up by a kind of long chin lock from Sugera, which was less cool. 
But just when things were getting boring, Kongo came, or Kano came in to thankfully wake things up with his awesome kicks. Takes out multiple guys just before the 15-minute call. Uh, and then Kitamiya runs wild to Hideki. But Hideki comes back with his awesome kneeling tombstone and a double-arm suplex for the pin. Uh, like I said, slow sometimes, but undoubtedly the best match of these two undercards and, you know, the second best match of either of two shows for me. I went three and a half on it. I also went three and a half. This was the real 20th anniversary Noah <laughs> match for me. Um, uh, yeah, uh, the Keno versus Saku stuff at the beginning, I loved the grappling. Uh, Soya looked so angry at Hideki. It was an incredible, like, his facial expressions of anger at Hideki were awesome. And Kendo Kashin didn't stink up the place. He was perfectly fine and passable. So, you know, that's a plus. So, yeah, three and a half. Uh, match number three was the Stinger team of Hayata, Kotaro Suzuki, and Yoshinari Ogawa beating Definitely Not Retells, Daisuke Hirata, Tadasuke, and Yohei in 1229. Um, this was just, just a match. Fine, but nothing special. Uh, Hayata ended up pinning Harada with a kind of awkward roll-up at the end of a kind of awkward sequence. So I went two and a half on it. It was fine. I went three. Um, yeah, it was fine. You know, uh, you think I think you nailed everything about or lacking in the match. So yeah. <laughs> uh, match two was Daiki Yanaba, Kaito Kiyomiya, and Shuhei Tanaguchi defeating Full Throttle, Atsushi Kotoge, Hajime Ohara, and Seiki Yoshioka in thirteen thirty-three. Uh, you know, this was an interesting six-man with a heavyweight trio against a junior trio. Uh, the undercard, I thought, here was more interesting than the previous days in general. Uh, there was some nice action with Yoshioka running wild on Inaba and Kiyomiya, including a very nice Asai moonsault where he landed on his feet over the railing perfectly. So, you know, he looked good here. Uh, another fun little undercard match with Kiyomiya pinning Ohara with a Tiger Suplex hold. I would go three and a quarter. I thought I enjoyed myself quite a bit here. I also went three and a quarter. I liked the last couple of minutes with Ohara and Kaito, although I have written in my notes here, and this is what I thought about when I was watching it. Were the juniors too dominant over Kaito at points in this match? Yeah, maybe. Think? Kaito sells for everybody, though. It's like kind of his old thing. I know, but like, <laughs> he could like stop selling for like juniors and like undercard guys at yeah. some point. I don't know, but that just stuck out to me. Uh, the opener was Katsuhiko Nakajima, Kenya Okada, and Mohamed Yone defeating Akatoshi Saito and Masao Inoue, the Dark Agents, and uh, Seiya Morihashi in 1251. Um, this, our first big disappointment of the day here was uh, Masao Inoue coming out to Saito's theme song, which means we don't get to hear the greatest theme song of all time. Really <laughs> love that Inoue theme song. Uh, a big step down here for Nakajima from the main event as national champion to the opener against the old guys without the belt. But yeah, this was definitely way more energetic than the opening few matches from yesterday, uh, mostly thanks to Nakajima running around, from the prior day, I should say. Mostly thanks to Nakajima running around and beating ass. And then Yone pinned more Hashi with a muscle buster. Enjoyable little opener. I went three stars. So Yeah, it was, a, it was fine. I'd go about three stars, too. Uh, I thought the highlight for me is the beginning when Nakajima was just stomping in a way's foot. I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah. So there you go. All right, folks. I guess we've covered a ton of stuff here. So, uh, uh, although oh. I suppose one thing, like, what do you like? I had been tuned out of Noah for so long, and it's just sort of like I don't know where I feel like this company is going compared to like how awesome I thought it was the first couple of months of 2020. Yeah, I mean they're they're kind of in a weird little transition period now or something. So uh, you know. It's very, uh, 
it, 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 I don't know. It's, it's not like it's... A, it's definitely not my favorite promotion right now. I will say that. I mean, I don't know where they're going either. Um, they still have a lot of talent, so I'm not... You know, I, I think they can get things back in uh, back in gear at some point. But yeah, I mean, you know, they were a promotion I really loved in 2019 and was really enjoying at the start of the year, and they've definitely fallen off a lot. Nassau was moving down those Booker of the Year rankings, I think, at this yeah, point. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, overall, this it was a weird, weird two shows because... You know, yeah. complete inverse of each other. The first show, awesome main event, terrible undercard, or pretty bad undercard. Second show, pretty bad main event, terrible main event, and a pretty damn good undercard. So they put it together, they would have one good show, but they didn't. So what are you going to do? Uh, any any other final thoughts, I guess, on these two shows? Uh, no, my only other thought is, like, that upcoming uh, Yokohama Bunker Gym show. It could go disastrous on how they end up book if they depending on how they book it it could be a fiasco i think but you know yeah you know it's... we'll see like i like because mudo's been making noise about challenging for the ghc for like a couple of months now mm-hmm. so i'm like worried that he's going to beat kaido yeah i guess we'll find i guess we'll say i don't know yeah um you know he, he very well could right so all right we can wrap it up here give me some plugs yeah, uh, so uh, stay tuned for Voices of Wrestling wall-to-wall coverage of the Champion Carnival. I know that uh, Thomas and Paul are also eager to do that. And next week, look out, uh, I will have a multi-part series. I think it'll run about three parts. Uh, August 15th, 2020 marks 10 years since Toshiaki Kawada wrestled his final match. He didn't. He just sort of disappeared and had lost interest apparently after uh, Misawa died. So he didn't go through the whole retirement thing. He's my favorite wrestler of all time. He's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. I don't think anyone would dispute that. So I'm just sort of doing a retrospective of all of his biggest and best or most important matches from after the Noah split because that's a time that sort of I feel in his career that really gets ignored. Everyone knows the classic all japan stuff from the 90s but he's got like a ton of awesome stuff from the 2000s that i think a lot of people slept on because people weren't watching all japan or and he also pops up in zero one with some decent stuff at points so i'm going to be going through uh basically the best matches of the 2000s for kawada i always i I always i always forget he was zero one world champion (laughs) yeah that was like in so yeah that was like in 2009 so literally like the year before he retired he was zero one champion yeah uh, so that that belt has had like a bizarre history but nagata held it too uh you know it, it still has the awa belt <laughs> representing yeah. it but what are you gonna it's a weird belt all right folks so of course you can follow us on twitter at russell omakase uh wrestling would have been of course you can check out the patreon patreon.com slash wrestling omakase we're going to have continuing coverage of the King of DDT and Tokyo Joshi Princess Cup. I'm going to go right over to watching King of DDT as soon as I finish recording and editing this. So, uh, you know, got a packed weekend here of stuff. So I hope you'll come check it out for only $5 a month. Uh, next week on the free feed, uh, we're going to have myself and TJ from One Wrestling. The One Wrestling Podcast will be rejoining me. Uh, we're going to talk about the All Japan Corican from next week, August 15th. Uh, we're going to talk about whatever comes out from the Stardom 5-star GP. Uh, at least the, the whole opening night should be out by then, and we'll see if there's anything out from the 8:15 Osaka show before we record on Sunday. Uh, and we'll also talk about the second week of the New Japan Cup USA. So that should be a lot of fun. So definitely check that out next week. In the meantime, thank you as always for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>